Welcome to the Mead Podcast. I'm Tom, the founder of Gosnells. And I'm Will, the head brewer here at Gosnells. This is our podcast where we are going to be chatting about all things mead and booze. Uh, each week we take a, either a mead enthusiast or a mead maker and we sit them down to a bunch of questions about why they love mead. Uh, so yeah, so thanks to everyone who's spared some time for that uh, from their busy schedules. I know everyone in the mead world is super busy at the moment. Yeah, and thanks everybody for their continued support over the last uh, God, couple of years now. So entering into the fourth season of the mead podcast. Fourth season. So thank you all for your support. And uh, Well, yeah, let's just get into it. Let's go. Hi, Will. How are you? Yeah, all right. Uh, it's been a while since we've done one of these, isn't it? It's been a little while. You've been on um, holiday. You're looking yeah. uh, nice and tan. Yeah, you can't really tell in this light, but uh, I did get one Some of those sunlight. September tans. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so today we are talking to Kinsale Meadery. We are indeed, yeah. So guys, do you want to introduce yourself? Thanks very much for coming along. How's it all going? Great. Guys, great. Um, Lovely sunny day here in Kinsale. I, yeah. I'm Kate and this is Dennis here. Yeah, I guess we uh, we started off the Meadry back in uh, uh, early 2017, actually. So what is that, four and a half years ago now? Yeah. Um, Time flies, isn't it? It does, actually. Sometimes it does, and some days it just doesn't. Ah, oh, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Um, so whereabouts, so for those, for our international listeners, whereabouts an island is, is Kinsale? Um, we're about... I guess right down on the southwest coast, like uh, in Ireland, it's called the start of the wild Atlantic way. So it's that um, uh, traveling route right from the southwest, about 20 miles south of, of Cork City. OK, so, uh, yeah, um, yeah. In County Cork, consider the most famous county in Ireland. Um, only by people from Cork. Yeah, it's a <laughs> four town, about 4000 people. It, it gets quite touristy. In the summer, it's got a lot of old history when it was kind of a key um, harbour town, naval town um, in, in the British Empire. So it is, that brings a lot of visitors to see the old forts and the old streets. Yeah, and old windy streets. It's very pretty. You're welcome to come over. Uh, once we can get off this island, we're, we've yeah. got a lot of trips to get, yeah, get on yeah. to, to do. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, we're, we're both jonesing to get away and, and yeah meet some of the people that we've been talking to on the podcast as well yeah that's it yeah there's 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 a list as long as as long as we are but uh yeah county cork is where the irish side of my family's from for all right for quite some time but uh yeah i've been meaning to get over i've only done county Kerry and, and and of course dublin in, in my time there but uh i do love do love ireland yeah i've been a couple of times but not never to cork but yeah, after, yeah. Anyway, sorry guys. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about some mead now. So, so when you set up in 2017, why did you set up and why mead? And it, it was a it was a complete um, change of lifestyle for us. Really, actually, we were you know we had call it regular jobs, <laughs> regular yeah. well paid jobs, and we um, I, I think it was me first. Uh, I was looking for a, a sort of a a, a change, um, and I, I finished my old job basically, and, and really didn't want to go back to the old sort of job lifestyle. And of, of all the things, we, we were we were doing different things that summer, and we were in the Hilatara in County Mead, which, as it turns out, there's a building there. We were sitting in the outline of this building known as Chok Makurta, which is roughly translated as the Great Mead Hall, this medieval Irish feasting hall that used to hold about 1,100 people up 
just wow. west of Dublin, actually. Yeah, the ancient seat of the High Kings of Ireland. You know, it's a real historic place. But for for actually for way earlier than medieval and way back pre pre Celtic, they were yeah. they were having parties up there. You know. But we were um, we were really just. I mean, we've always been into Celtic Viking, all kinds of medieval stuff. Um, and then we we got a I guess a, a real interest in wondering what the hell happened to me. There was eleven hundred people drinking mead here back in the fifth century, and now there's none. Because we were aware that there was there was no mead in Ireland really, and we just started exploring it um, and sort of started making some at home actually by you know later that year. And as it turned out, we had some friends in the U.S. who actually um, were making mead and had a, a small meadery in Oregon. And oh, to kind of cut a long story short, we went on a road trip to the U.S. and <laughs> visited um, quite a few meaderies over the space of a couple of weeks and, and subsequently uh, on a couple of other trips as well. And, and we kind of just from there just got got so interested in it. Um, and I guess you reach a point where you're trying to decide, OK, we're making meat at home. You know, we, we, we had an old basement in our house and we were making all kinds of stuff in the basement. And we reached the point where we said, well, is it worth considering this as a kind of a commercial activity? And you know the way you start something off, and before you know it, you're, you're right in the middle of it. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I know, I know so the feeling. It, so it, yeah, it kind of happened relatively quickly, probably from from the space of kind of like July, August, twenty sixteen to maybe March, twenty seventeen. What's that? About nine months, and we were kind of physically had found um, this old um, premises down here in Kinsale. Um, we kind of picked down here in, in the west, of, uh, southwest of Ireland because I come from here originally and we actually got married here. So, oh, nice. So we, we always had a hankering that someday we might find our, our way back to West Cork. And, um, and it's a good place as well, I guess, location-wise. You're always trying to find a place that might attract a lot of uh, visitors as well. So we're yeah. relatively close to Cork City. We're on a tourist route. So those kind of things were at the back of our minds when we were trying to find the place. And, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. and what, what kind of place have you got there? Obviously, you do the manufacturing there. Have you got a tasting room? What's that? Do you have a visitor experience, I guess, as well? Yeah. Want to come it, around? Uh, you want to talk about that, Kate? Yeah, well, we have a tasting room, which is what we're, we're in right now. Um, it's, it's, it's small enough now. We, we can actually, with the COVID restrictions, we can take about um, 12 people at the moment okay, yeah. but, but but before that it was a little it, you know we could take more than that and then we've got how many how many square feet is that outside I think the total it, it's part of a larger building complex about four thousand square foot yeah so um plenty room one of the big things that yeah. a lot of the media has told us is is you know oversize i guess you know plan for expansion so yeah so oh we, yeah wish we yeah. wish we'd thought about that we are in like every every single meter we talked to said yeah. you know do that because it's a pain to move i'm sure you're sure yeah i guess we were lucky because it was the building was being renovated and it was in a bit of a stage so we kind of found it at the right time and and i guess the owner was looking for for some people to take on you know take on some of the the, the sections of the building so the timing worked out great for us and the location we're about six or seven minutes walk from the center of of kinsale so it's nice, um, nice. you not know the best view in kinsale but there's parking here yeah well, that's what you need yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. 
you know, yeah. one or the other. But so, it's like, uh, guys, we've been talking about sort of where, where the story come from. Can you talk to me a little bit more about how you guys sort of use your honey or where your honey comes from and, and how you sort of working with that? Um, yeah, so, so um, we, we use a mixture of, of, of almost all um, Spanish and Irish honey, actually. I guess we, we did a lot of exploration at the start when we were making meat at home and, and we tried lots of different honeys, you know, both Irish and actually we, we, we tried some heather honey from Yorkshire. We had some English blossom honey. We had linden honey, acacia honey. And Romanian. Uh, Romanian, Romanian yeah. uh, that was acacia was honey, I think. Um, and we, we tried several uh, honeys and I guess we narrowed in on, on um, you know, and, and I guess what we, we find in general is is some honeys can taste really nice, but their aromas can be very delicate or their flavors can be quite delicate. And you lose a certain amount of that aroma as you're, you know, as you're fermenting into a wine strength alcohol. So, so we narrowed in on, um, you know, we use orange blossom honey, for example, in our, um, in our Atlantic dry meat. So that's like the traditional off dry 12%. We tried some orange blossom from some different locations and we, we found we get the orange blossom now from a it's a relatively small um, place in Valencia, south of Valencia in Spain. They, they're in existence about I don't know 110 years. Yeah, family you know. kind of co-op yeah. um, mm-hmm. thing. And, and they've kind of got long established relationships with generations of beekeepers around mm-hmm. that area. Really cool. And you can taste it, and <laughs> you can see the bees in, in the barrels. Um, <laughs> so um, and it just tastes fantastic. Um, you know, but we could, we've tasted a lot of honey over the last four or five years. So. I'm sure you have as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, still we, my we favorite part. Yeah. yeah. And I guess we got quite, you know, as we, we started exploring the different types of honey, I, I guess we realized there's a lot of adulterated honey out there. And that made yeah. us a little bit nervous about trying to find good honey. Um, um, so so that, that was one of our main honeys. And then We've been trying to um, use local honey as well. Uh, Ireland, I guess, you know, like a lot of Western Europe, doesn't have a lot of of its own honey. You know, it's a lot of imported honey. But um, we've been trying to build up relationships with with some local beekeepers in in Ireland um, mm. and especially down here in, in County Cork. So our, our wildflower meat, um, which we don't make a large batch of, but we we've been making it every year now for the last three years. We yeah. use. Uh, we use a, a, a wildflower honey from West Cork, which is very much blackberry blossom and hawthorn blossom, which is a lovely, oh, very cool. pale, pale. Very, it's de- it's not that it's not so delicate that it doesn't get all the way through fermentation, you know. So it's it's, a li- it's got a little bit of punchy flavour as well. But he also has um, two walnut trees as well, so that just brings this little nuttiness in, which is really quite nice. special. Yeah. Yeah. But it, obviously, the the quantity varies year on year as how much how yeah. much you keep harvest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we just picked up this year's honey and. It's it's just it's yeah. just lovely and, and then for our our melamel meads we use um it's a little bit more intense it's like a darker forest honey um smoky it's lovely. smoky uh, sort of blend from northern spain that's um yeah, yeah. that might make a really nice traditional mead as yeah. well we, we, we might try it at some point but um but yeah that that kind of slightly stronger more intense um flavor seems to work well with our, our melamel meads um, we, we did try heather honey the first year, um, and it, it, the lead was amazing, but heather honey, at least in Ireland, has got so, so expensive. It's, um, there was a study done on it by one of our universities about four years ago, and it, it compared it very favorably with manuka honey in terms of its health properties. Yeah. yeah. And that's just driven the price up to like where it's now 
what is a kid maybe 15 to 25 euros a pot yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow that is expensive i just tried to, yeah. yeah so that's like what a half pound well like a half pound jar is that what you're talking regular about regular kind of jam jar yeah. size yeah. Jam jar, pound jar yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah. wow Jeez. that is that is a lot yeah like we got the, the scottish head of honey had a yeah, yeah so the, we yeah we got some scottish heather honey it was it was beautiful wasn't it's, it? yeah it's, it's a it's little a bit more difficult to work with but uh very very slow ferment and a very slow maturation i don't know did you find the same yeah so uh the fermentation was was quite quite slow and it really turned around about nine months after the fact yeah. i think it really yeah, found its exactly. own but we we did it with um because it, it came out it was almost like treacle it was so thick and even though we were putting it in the in the pasteurized, trying to get it up to 40 degrees to get it to move, and it just it would not move. So we just end up having to to spoon and stir and spoon and stir. And it was just such a yeah. an intense process. And then we didn't filter when we when we went into packaging and uh, just let all that sort of sit at the bottom with all the wax and the properties that came with it as well. And it was yeah, one of my favorite meats to drink, but uh, it sort of it crossed people, you know, some people absolutely loved it or divided people. Sorry. So yeah. some people absolutely loved it. Or some people were like, this is, this is too, too much. Yeah. It was, it was, it was intense. There's a lot of flavor in that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we, did we a little... were thinking with something like that, you know, I guess the same kind of people who love those smoky PC Scottish whiskies yeah. would probably love, uh, uh, you know, an intense, um, you know, quite herbal heather honey leaf. And mm. we, I think we fermented ours, Generally, we ferment most of our meads off dry, but that one we fermented um, sweet, right? As I recall, because it was a bit sweet. Yeah, it was a bit sweet. Yeah. It was quite herbal. Yeah. And we, we, we could imagine it getting, you know, um, yeah, as you said, uh, it, it would have a diverse reaction. It was right, closer yeah. to dry. Yeah. No, I left it with a bit of sweetness as well, because you kind of yeah. need that in there just to, to balance out some of those bitter notes and, and just to give it, like, there's just to give it a bit of, uh, a bit of body as well, you know, that's, uh, that's, mm -hmm. Yeah, it needed it. So we kind of touched on it a bit there, but like, what is your kind of core range of meads? And do you want to just talk us through some of the, you know, like, what's your best seller? What's your favorite? And then, you know, maybe some of the more interesting things you, you, you're doing. Yeah, we we started out with two meads um, right at the beginning. The, the first one we we did was the Atlantic Dry Mead, which is with orange blossom honey. And that's, yeah. uh, we finished that off dry and... Um, yeah, 12% alcohol, so wine strength. Um, and we'd serve that lightly chilled. I think it just, just helps with the flavors um, there. And that's probably very slightly outsells the second one, which is the wild red mead. And that's the first mm -hmm. melamel mead we did with, um, with Irish blackcurrants from County Wexford. Uh, very, absolutely packed full of flavor, um, very tart. So we balance that with sweet dark cherries. Um, so that's a very slight, I think, when we look at the overall numbers, it's seasonal. The, the wild red is definitely coming into autumn and winter uh, would, would be more popular. And Atlantic dry is kind of year round. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we found as well, I guess when we talked to, as we kind of got to know people in the mead world, in general, the especially in the US, I guess, at the start, the, the general feedback was that 60% of their consumers yeah. like the melamel berry meads, you know, 25% like the traditional meads and then methaglin meads came after that. That was kind of their, so yeah. I guess we were, we, we were starting in a very, um, uh, you know, unknown market, I guess, for us in Ireland. Yeah, uh, similar yeah. to other countries, you know, 95% of people hadn't heard of mead and the 5% that had, had either consumed um, 
a meal here that we serve in a medieval kind of castle banquety kind of thing yeah. that's targeted at tourists. Yeah. You know or, or they just had some idea of meat from Vikings, Game of Thrones, and you, you name Drinking it on TV. Stuff, yeah. Drinking horns yeah. and kind of. Yeah. That, um, but then the third one we did then was um, the hazy summer meat, which um, I guess we wanted to do something again that was maybe fruitier, a more summery drink. We were thinking of like, well, in Ireland, we don't have like, you know, our, our, our summer pins drinks and things like that. So we thought, well, everybody loves strawberries and raspberries and blackberries in the summer. So we went for our hazy summer meat, which is a, a slightly lower ABV, 11% off dry. So, and we don't age that as long, maybe six months. Um, so it's still very fruity. It's got a real uh, strawberry raspberry nose yeah. on it. And, and, and very refreshing, very, very interesting. Yeah. So it, it's more of a summer. It, it, it's nice in the summer. You know, you can imagine yourself in the back garden with, with a glass of that, you know, or out on the beach or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we found with that as well, I guess, <laughs> as we, we started doing some summer festivals, um, you know, small music, food, food festivals. Um, and we found that when I, I, guess, I guess there's been such a, a trend to, People making cocktails themselves and enjoying all different yeah, yeah, parts yeah. of cocktails. I, I I don't know. You guys probably see this too. That that yeah. putting our meads in cocktails is, is you know is is a uh, is a thing. Lots of mixologists like to try. Yeah, it gives you another avenue. To, yeah, it gives you another avenue of flavor and and something just a little bit off center as well that you can you can get some quite nice. You know, especially if you're doing with metheglins and things like that. Um, you can get some really interesting profiles that come through. Like we just did one with. Uh, Funky Dory using um, Kosaret, which is this Ethiopian tea, and the smell on yeah, that is that incredible. Cool. You know, it's got a nice mead background to it as well, but it's just got this one little herb that really stands up with the honey, and mm. it's just, yeah, it's really interesting. That sounds great. Yeah. So they were our three main ones, and then we did. We mentioned the wildflower one, so that was the first one we made with Irish honey. So we do a small actually that as much honey as we can get from the beekeeper because we yeah, kind of want to yeah. keep it a hundred percent from him yeah. and, uh, irish just to like i said because we're always trying to find local honey and there isn't a lot of it yeah yeah <laughs> uh, is there any specific varieties of honey that that are in ireland as well like do you have any sort of like special honeys there that you sort of uh, that you know nobody else has access to uh, um, um, i i i don't think so i mean the, 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 he yeah. the heather the heather here is slightly different from Scottish heather. Scottish yeah, heather yeah. is managed because it's often in a place where there is hunting for hunting for you know shooting fishing is yeah grouse yeah yeah grouse that's it that's yeah. where it's looking for. Um, so it's managed whereas our, all our all of our heather is, is completely wild. So um, yeah, th yeah, there's a there's a lower yield. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've tasted quite a lot of Irish honey. Um, um, and, and, apple uh, blossom honey. We got some of that from County mm. Armagh, which is where all the best Irish apples are from. Yeah, yeah. Nice. But I think we found them. Um, Paul's honey, um, Paul Kelly's his name that we use here. It is very in, in, intense um, compared to some of the other Irish honey. Um, yeah, yeah. He leaves his he leaves it quite late till he harvests, and the, the hawthorn comes through um, beautifully on it. So you you know we've tasted blackberry and clover and other Irish honeys, but. He has a combination of hawthorn and then this smoky minty finish that he gets, which we think is from some trees on his land that yeah. you know there's walnut trees and there's clover for sure. Yeah, yeah. but there's something yeah, yeah. to sycamore maybe Purple as well. Clover. But um mm. 
but you're, you're going cool. around around this land saying well could it be from this flower yeah. <laughs> this flower you know he's apple trees as well actually he's crab apples too he does yeah, yeah. Mm. um yeah so a nice little blend yeah, nice little blend of flowers. The, the hawthorn's one of those ones that uh, has, has pricked my ears up as well. I'd yeah. like to sort of see what that profile brings to the table. It's you definitely some years we get a lot of hawthorn and blossom, and you can just literally smell it if you're walking along. You know, more the 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 the, the old the old um, country lanes where they they would have had that that hedging kind of stuff. Um, you you just get this intense aroma, and it just it's yeah, there yeah. for two three weeks. And the bees, that's a, it's right around the time when, you know, the bees are really looking for a lot of forage. Yeah, yeah. And if you get, the, if you get mild with some years, it, if it's wet and windy, like it is here a lot, the bees just won't come out that time. But if, if you get the right mix of weather and sun, then you'll get a lot more hawthorn um, flavor yeah, than the cool. honey. Yeah. Um, the other meats we did, I guess we, we, we are still learning an awful lot of our, our barrel aging our meat. Um, right. And, and um, we, we, we kind of, I guess, Kinsale used to be this wine port yeah. um, for, the, for the, you know, the British Empire. And, you know, most people think we're big Guinness or Jameson drinkers in Ireland. That's what those companies would like to, you know, the way they yeah, advertise it. it. But we, we used to actually be among the biggest Bordeaux drinking countries in the yeah. world for a period in our history. And um, so we, we wanted to connect to some of those um, links. And there is a subset of vineyards in Bordeaux that are connected to the... Um, Irish exiles from the 1690s. So if you go to Bordeaux, you suddenly see these vineyards with Irish names on them. Which <laughs> would be one, Lynn yeah. McCarthy, Hennessy, names like that. Yeah, so it's yeah, a little bit yeah, weird, yeah. but, but um, we got some barrels from some of those vineyards and Merlot barrels. We did that in 2019 and aged our, our melanin meats for another year. So oh, they become cool. more, I guess, more much more complex with the yeah. profile. Yeah, of course. And really food, nice. Food, really good with food. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're yeah. bringing in the, the, the French oak flavors, but also the, the wine that was in there before. Yeah. You know, it makes yeah, for a really yeah. interesting drink. Yeah, so I guess we're trying to target maybe more. Um, you know, one of the things I don't know what you guys find is, you know, as, as when we, the, the more discerning you get with the wine drinker and the more they're inclined to sort of, um, you know, give you a, a, a funny look when you suggest mead might be a, a good alternative to their fine wine. <laughs> So yeah, we've, we've, we've had some nice experiences with it, you know. Yeah, like, I think I think I've been always pleasantly surprised at how that not the discerning amateur wine drinker, but a proper sommelier or somebody who you know is a master of wine, how open they've been to it. I mean, I think once as soon as you twist their arm, as soon as you twist yeah. their arm to actually make them drink it, yeah. how um how you can really change their kind of their view on things and that's that's been really yeah cool i think yeah it's 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 a hard it's a hard road to go down but uh, you get some really nice responses that sort of you know make you feel good about what you're doing yeah exactly it's a hard one praise i think yeah, is yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's it yeah but guys yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. We've, we've been we've been aging um so yeah so we've, we've been using merlot barrels to try our 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 melamel meat in. and then we've used a mixture of of white port and sautern barrels for our Atlantic oh, dry. Nice. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So um, white port would be really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Plus the barrels come in so wet, and um, that we managed to pour out four bottles of white port before we put the meat in. So <laughs> perfect. It. Perfect. Yeah. I know. It would be rude not to drink it. You know. Yeah. No, no, that's know. it. No. 
I do uh, like a good white port. No, that is cool. That mm-hmm. is cool. So in terms of like um, Mead and Island, where where are you selling most of your stuff? Are you are you like targeting kind of delis, uh, farm shops, that kind of thing? Are you in supermarkets? Are you in bars? Like where where do you find most people? Most people drink your stuff. Yeah, farm shops aren't a thing really here. There are minimal amount of farm shops. They're yeah. much bigger in the UK. I think it'd be something that yeah. that the they ought to look at here a bit more. Yeah, that's interesting. But, but it is, yeah. as you said, it's um, uh, we we we're with one of the um, there's a chain of supermarkets in Ireland called Super Value. Oh yeah. I guess they're kind of like uh, Waitrose, probably are they? Is the closest? Some of them are very very good. I mean, they they support a lot of um, a lot of local um, artisan produced kind of products. Sure. So 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 they can be very good. So we're listed with a good few of them, and then it's kind of like your your farm shop deli. Um, independent of licenses, specialty foods, specialty yeah. foods that have a bit more of a. Again, they're looking to do more of a, an artisan um, range. Um, you know, with good ingredients, with a good backstory. Mm. Um, yeah. That's what we find. And online as well. Yeah, the, the entree yeah. is is a lot tougher. Um, I, I guess you know the, um, you know there there isn't as many. Um, I call them crafty. Um, yeah. independent um, not, not necessarily independent but but places that 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 are looking to stock sort of a wide range of of smaller brands um, it's very much that the, the two or three main drinks companies have a very large footprint in most mm-hmm. of our on trade in ireland and yeah, no, I, I, even I've though I, from lost people yeah yeah yeah, Ireland, yeah. yeah. So that, that's a lot tougher so you i think if we, we're finding there's a subset of places that are, the, the places that are interested and want to try it out in cocktails or as a serve there's some places that do it as a flight so they recognize that yeah, people no. don't know what meat is so if they have the three of them they'll offer it as a flight um but definitely the entree is a very tough nut <laughs> yeah. um yeah now we yeah, you know, yeah, we dabble we in double. the on trade, but we uh, found the same thing with the yeah. flights. You know, people people like to come in for that sort of experience. They may not come in to sit down and, and try a new product, but they'll definitely come in for a new experience. Yeah, and having yeah. that sort of flight uh, allows them to at least understand what it is and and find where they sort of fit in that that profile as well. Yeah. But guys, do you want to just uh, give us a bit of a run through of your your fermentation process as well? Like, how are you guys? How long is your fermentation? Are you using you know, a, a specific yeast for, for all your products. Give me a sort of a, a day-to-day sort of brew schedule. Yeah. Um, so, so um, yeah, so, so our meads are, I, I guess, wine strings. So in general, it's roughly one-third honey, two-thirds water. Um, um, you know, what's a, what's a, a normal day uh, we're making? Yeah, so... So in like a thousand liter tank, so we use spidal tanks that they're temperature controlled for fermentation. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in a, a thousand liter tank, and um, so so one barrel of honey, so our, let's say our orange blossom honey, that comes in 280 kilogram barrels or, or drums, I guess. Um, so we, we have a nice um, low torque honey pump. Um, we, we, we generally try and um, most of the time the honey is flowing, so the, 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 the pump pump it in i think a couple of years ago we had a couple of barrels of of, of honey that, that were there over the winter you could almost you could almost stand on them so we ended up yeah. building a little honey box and letting the barrels sit in it for two weeks for it to, to, to um yeah 
Gradually decrease. Yeah, it was a bit of a MacGyver. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I guess when we're mixing, we try and keep the water temperature pretty low, um, 25, 28 degrees maybe when we're mixing. Um, Actually, for sanitation as well, I guess at the start, we try to keep our chemical use as low as possible. So we use an ozonator for all our sanitation. Okay, cool, yeah. Um, yeah. um, I guess this was one of the advices we picked up from several meaderies and wineries in the US when we were on that road trip. So I guess it's relatively common, at least in California, McLean's McLean's ozone. Actually, they have a supplier in the UK that we used, um, um, but but we use ozone. The good thing with that, it's a very fast contact time, 15, 20 seconds. So your water use is is a lot lower than maybe than chemical sanitizers. But um, so we use that. um, Yeah, so we do, um, and we use mostly white wine yeast. I guess we found that, you know, that the ones that, that they're very good at protecting the more delicate flavors in yeah, the, yeah. In, especially in the orange blossom honey. Um, yeah, I guess we, we use uh, the staggered nutrient addition type um, okay. regime. Um, we, I guess we, we've, we've played around with it a little bit as, as we, you know, as, as you watch the fermentation uh, and you're kind of smelling and tasting every day. Um, but we, it's it's still very similar, I think, to what um, you know. It was it Sergio Mutella came up with, and so we, um, we we sometimes do a little bit more in the front half than the back half, you know. In the first the melamels, yeah. Yeah, and particularly for the melamels. Um, yeah, yeah. Our, our traditional meat generally takes about twenty eight. To 32 days to ferment. It varies ferment. from batch of honey to batch of honey, sure. which is always yeah, interesting. Yeah. You know? yeah. um, we, we, I think we generally ferment around 16.5 to 17 degrees. It's kind okay. of around, I don't know if that's a little bit lower than you guys do. or Yeah, um, especially yeah for a wine yeast like that. Yeah, a little, just a little on the low side, but not, not really quite low. Yeah. Um, yeah. We try and ferment as well when it's not su- not in the summer because then we use yeah, a, yeah. less electricity to uh, to keep stuff cool yeah. in the meadery. So the meadery is yeah, yeah. getting a bit chilly now. Yeah. Um, the the, the melamel meads are, are, are much, much faster. Um, we use a lot less nutrient addition there, actually, um, a lot less. But we find our melamel meads ferment in about five or six days. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. the same yeah. temperature, super fast. It's very vigorous. Yeah, yeah. Um, we watch it very carefully because <laughs> you know you can pick up, you know, um, that the yeast is really barreling along. So yeah. we, 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 um, um, we use uh, solid fruit as well in, in, in those melamel batches. Um, we generally freeze the fruit if it doesn't come frozen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, I mean, there's different ways we looked at and we settled on, on putting our fruit into mesh bags. Um, um, and then they, they, um, we do a, a light pressing on them at the very end before we extract them. Um, so you're putting them in, in primary fermentation, are you? Yeah. yeah. We, oh, interesting. Um, we, we played around with primary and secondary at the start and we, yeah, I, I guess for various reasons, we settled on primary. We thought the flavors integrates it more over time mm. um but i guess lots of people do both so yeah um, yeah like it, it's always split with people as well like i'm starting to see a lot more people like using fruit in and completely in secondary and and we've always been sort of 
a little bit more primary orientated. Yeah, I just like I, I think it marries the flavors together a bit yeah, better. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's always every time I talk to people that do a little bit of that higher strength, like when you're doing hydromels, you kind of you don't really have a lot of maturation time, and you know you, you you've got your fermentation times turn around quite quick. But you know, putting putting uh, fruit in primary has always been a little bit of a, a no no, and I I don't mind it. And um, yeah, it's nice yeah, to it's see. Good that, to see, yeah. Yeah, good to see somebody doing something against the grain and going like, no, there yeah. is there's different ways of approaching it and and gives different profiles. Yeah, I th I think I think it went back to when we, um, you know, probably late 2016, and we were doing a lot of very small sort of call them home batches, you know, 25 yeah. liters, and I I think we had a couple of real hit and misses with doing it in secondary ourselves. It could have been just at the time we were still you know learning an awful lot. And it made us a little bit uncomfortable about being able to do that really well without any um, intervention. I think. Inter yeah, yeah or, or I think we even had one or two that that even <clears throat> went down um, the drain. Let's just say yeah, that. Yeah, went down the drain because of whatever we were doing with our our, our our fermentation control. But yeah, so we 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 do it in primary now, and um, so then at the end of the process, because you know we ferment um, most of our meat off dry, we do a, a cold crash. And stabilization. So um, how are you stay how are you stabilizing it at the end? Are you just sterile filtering, or are you just just cold crushing and and yeah we, we do yeah we do the cold crash uh, we rack off the leaves and then we do a, a we do the filtration and we, we do we we do a, a sorbite and, and sulfide regime yeah. mix yeah. as well um, post filter post filter yeah you got to get um, that stability haven't you you can't yeah. as much as you'd like to leave it you do have to do something. Yeah, definitely. Even yeah, I, I, um, yeah, def definitely. We, we yeah. learned that as well. Yeah, it, it's always um, yeah. Um, always a scary prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what else in there. Um, yeah, the melamines are very drink. Even though we we do age them for quite a while, they're they're very drinkable early on. Yeah. You know, uh, actually, even uh, we've always thought um, if we could bottle the meat after five or six days, that you know, when it's cloudy. And fizzy and a little bit sweet. It's a, it's an amazing it's an amazing drink. It's just so unstable. If we had a, a tap room here, we like, so like the glass it's straight out the tank, all yeah. cloudy. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Lovely. Because well, what we do on the tours actually, just again, um, if if we batch is running, we'll give people a sample out of the tanks if if, if it's you know if we're able to. Yeah, and we, we do find, the same and, and yeah. showing people how it changes over that fermentation is a really yeah, cool way really of cool, just yeah. Uh, yeah. showing yeah. them how that honey develops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, people love the, um, the 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 sort of raw, unfiltered, with the yeast and with all the cloudy stuff in there, and it does taste amazing. Um, even the 12, 13 percent with that little bit of well, I guess it's only seven or eight then when we're often yeah, sampling it. Yeah, and slightly fizzy as well, which I like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very dangerous to bottle that. Yeah, but we um, that's uh, I'm trying to think is there something else in there? Um, it's time. Yeah, time. time. Cleanliness, a awful lot of mopping. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we stuff, do yeah. uh, um, we, we do a, a kind of a quite a bit of aeration at the start of you know in, in the first week of ferment. So in our open top tank, we similar to, to winemaking, we do that um, um, you know that that push down because the, the the fruit which are in 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 bags you know um, as as it ferments the carbon dioxide is almost lifting the bags to the top yeah, yeah, of the tank. Exactly. So we do a, a push down, and that's I guess like giving it a light maceration as well, because you're you know the fruit's being yeah, it's pressing on its own weight. Yeah, of um, course. And we do a pump over at the same time as well. So we're pumping the liquid over the top, 
into okay, the yeah, fruit. So adding a lot so, of early oxygen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that that works very well for it. Um, and it just, I think that I, I haven't read the science on it, but it, it seems to keep the color and um, helps the color as well at the end. Yeah. I think one of the things we yeah, found yeah. is that there's so much we could probably learn from French winemakers, but there's a language yeah, barrier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But guys, um, do you have any any questions for us? Or um, you know, we sort of we try to keep these to about 45 minutes. So getting towards that that end bit there. So have you got anything you like to you know sort of ask us? Well, I personally was fascinated by your coffee mead. Um, so I was wondering how how do you do that without either introducing an infection or or wrecking your filter? So I come up with a, a, a bit of a strange method for that one. So I did it with a uh, with a boucher and I did that in barrel, uh, let the fermentation finish and I was barrel aging for about six months on the lees. And then for about four days, I went through lots of different methods. Am I adding, you know, sort of espresso to it? Am I, um, you know, sort of adding, we tried cold brew coffee, bloody, blood temp extract coffee as well. And I come around to the best being freshly roasted whole beans. And then I did it like a, like a dry hop with uh, just putting it inside bags and putting it into the, the barrel itself. So feeding it inside the barrel and then leaving it sit there for about four or five days. And then sort of just- How, how did you get it out again? Well, I, uh, then I'll package from the top of the bag and then I'll slowly pull the beans out from, from the bag inside the barrel. It's a long process, but um, it, it just really, um, it was just, yeah, it was a really clean way to do it. And again, I didn't have any to do any more filtration to it. I didn't upset the, uh, the leaves on the bottom or anything like that as well. So when I was taking it from the barrel to go into secondary, let it settle out, it's, uh, it, it just come out beautifully. Mm. But so uh, it was about the fresh roasted as well. Yeah. That, that was because we've got a coffee roastery around the corner and yeah. uh, a couple of units down from us. And, and that's all we, that's funny, isn't it? <laughs> same kind of space, isn't that? Yeah, Indust yeah. Like industrial space. And, and we um, had a, yeah, we had a request from our kind of a, there's a, a, co a coffee guys here interested in using, you know, some of the, I guess we're, we're not coffee experts, but um, some of the coffee, I guess, has lovely fruity, you know, it's blackcurrant, blackberry, and yeah, there's there's a couple of guys here interested in doing, you know, like a very small batch. So we're interested in trying something, maybe with something like our wild red meat, which is blackcurrant and cherry. Yeah, and so just, I, we're trying to figure out what's the best way if we were doing, you know, like 100 litres or something, that's the best kind of method yeah, for that. I, I played around with a couple of different um, single origin coffees, uh, like an Ethiopian coffee is really good. It's got the same sort of that sort of blackberry and, and mm. sort of floral notes in there as well, which is really cool. But I found that um, it didn't come through in using that process. It came through a lot more when I was doing it uh, on the espresso side or the cold bruise, well, not the cold brew, but the blood, blood temp extract side. But mm -hmm. uh, with the whole beans, um, it, it more lent itself to that sort of more Brazilian side where it's a little bit more of those classic sort of coffee profile or coffee notes. Um, you know, you get a little bit of that sort of caramel in there. You get a little bit of some of those delicate notes. You get sometimes you get a little bit of stone fruit and stuff come through. But I found that if I was doing the dry beaning that, um, yeah, it was better off using something like a like a Brazilian coffee instead of like a Kenyan or an Ethiopian. All right. And do you have that year round? Uh, no, we just did it. Um, we just did a one off. Uh, we do a small batch program here. So um, that was just one of those, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we played, I, I played around for a while. So small batch is like built out of this idea of, you know, we do lots of experiments and they don't, 
you know, a lot of them don't really go anywhere. You know, we have a core range and we have these and we'll pick sort of three or four. And we, we did all these massive experiments. We really wanted a place to sort of go, well, you know, we really love these. And, and we sort It'd of be good to out, get some feedback on them as well. Yeah. And just, you know, as much as we can taste it, it's good to see what a range of other people think as well. Yeah, so we got a whole, we got uh, subscribers up to, they get a uh, four cans every month that we sort of send out and and it just allows us to keep experimenting, but also jump those experiments up because a lot of times you're doing it at five or 23 litres and that sort of thing. And you really want to jump up to, you know, two, 300 and see how that sort of change goes through and, and you know, learn that little bit of uh, scalability. And yeah, it's a really mm. nice program for that. But uh, yeah, it came out of that. So we did a couple of the bouchers with different coffees and, yeah. and we really liked it. And we're like, okay, well, it's about time we put this into into practice and send out it was one of our probably best received. Yeah, I guess. yeah, no, I think so. I think so. Guys, thanks so much for your time today. It's been really interesting. I went really quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Went really quickly. Went really quickly. Um, so yeah, thanks very much. Been, uh, All right, thanks, guys. No, nah, guys, really appreciate it and, and good luck. Yeah. Thank Sorry, you. Thanks for listening guys, hopefully you enjoyed that, so hit the subscribe and like button and follow us on all our social media and we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about mead and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at gosnels.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram, ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and uh, look like we know what we've talked about. Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on over to the website at www.gosnels.co.uk. Thank you.